Once upon a time, a very long time ago, far before I even began to dream of becoming a wizard, I was a journalism student in Austin, Texas. Knowing I was entering into a competitive, and some might say collapsing, industry, I realized it would be wise to find a niche, a certain subject matter, which could entice a potential audience into reading more of my writing. As I reflected on this conundrum, I thought back to my time in Olympia, Washington, a few years earlier, where we were just down the sound from Seattle, home of the incredible alt-weekly The Stranger, which was not only helmed by Dan Savage at the time, but hosted his incredible and widely syndicated sex column, Savage Love. Every Wednesday when the new issue of The Stranger appeared on news racks around town, my friends and I would grab a copy and flip forward to find that week's Savage Love which we would then devour and discuss throughout the week. Talking about sex, especially sex that was strange, exciting, or unusual, felt both titillating and liberatory and naturally held our attention. Thus, as a budding journalist, I decided I too would explore the sex beat, albeit in my own weird proto-wizardry way. This being the late 2000s, that meant I created a blog called F-Bomb and wrote a column of the same name, for a slightly shady for-profit student newspaper. While other sex writers dished out the same dull advice again and again, or hyper-fixated on consent and safety, I wrote for a more adventurous audience and explored everything from a then-unheard-of author writing lurid dinosaur erotica, the now-infamous Chuck Tingle, to interviewing a professional clown escort, and hosting a touring bike porn film festival. My F-bomb days are now far behind me, and the blog has long since faded from the web. But even though my wizardry isn't particularly erotic, I've maintained a fascination with the fringes, the taboos we don't talk about, and the weird interests consenting humans cultivate with each other. I first met Larray Joe at some sort of sexual or magical event in New York City, where our conversation flowed, and we realized she focused on sex with a side of magic, and my interests represented more or less, a bit of an inverse. After orbiting around each other for ages, we finally collided in another conversation on each other's respective podcasts at the beginning of this year. In this episode of This Podcast is a Ritual, we'll get to know Larray and how she took the pejorative label, slut, that was frequently used to belittle and disempower her, and as she discovered her own sexuality, she turned it into a mini multimedia empire in the form of Slutty Girl Problems, an incredible resource for anyone looking to expand the boundaries of what their own relationship to pleasure and empowerment might be. Recently, Larray and the Slutty Girl Problems brand have ventured out into podcasting with the new Pleasure Provocateur series, where you can go listen to Larray and I talking on her turf about magic, sex, and the meaning behind the manic pixie dream girl trope. You can find out more about both at larayjoe.com and sluttygirlproblems.com. But for now, let's put problems to the side and dive deep into how to be a slut. Hello, Larray. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to Ritual Space. Thank you. It's a pleasure. What's our magic word going to be? I was thinking muse. Muse. Ooh, that is a good one. I like the word muse. On the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three. Muse. Muse. Ooh, I like that. It like rolls out the mouth nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what does muse mean to you? Mm, It is kind of this like playful kitten 
imagination fantasy archetype. It's like an art piece and like just very sexy on a, on a pedestal, the artist's muse. Yeah. So we just did an episode of your podcast where we talked about the manic pixie dream girl archetype yeah. for a while. And often there's a kind of issue with that because the character in a film is just there to like help the male have their cathartic emotional arc and they're not really a full person. But I think there's something really empowering about this idea of feminine goddesses that are leading all of us towards inspiration and creation. Yeah, that's absolutely it. It's like this uh, empowerment to create and create magic and adventure and excitement and also being aware that we're not that one dimension, that there's so much more to us that's deeper and authentic and meaningful. And not that this role can't be authentic, but that it's one hat that we put on. But I do think that there's like a lot of spark to it. I Mm -hmm. like creating magic in people's lives through my work and play and like in relationships and I'm becoming more conscious of that as a thing that I do for pleasure and connection and also all the other facets of me that aren't encompassed by that. Wonderful. So I'm excited to dive into all of the amazing work and things that you do. But let's just start at the beginning with what was the muse or maybe the moment that kind of pulled you into creating the uh, brand persona empire that you now you now run. Yeah. So I created Slutty Girl Problems 12 years ago now. And I was really going through this moment of my life where I was exploring my sexuality coming through my college years and feeling like there really wasn't a space to talk about the real raw experiences of sexuality. So much was either medicalized or it was very sanitized. And Mm -hmm. nobody was speaking at the time about the gritty underbelly, the moments that are embarrassing embarrassing or that we feel like we're so alone in. And I want it to both touch on those and normalize it and also just celebrate that we're allowed to have casual sex and be free and open and don't have to be weighed down by society's stigmas and norms and all the social limitations and implications of what it means to be a sexual person. And over the years, it's really evolved to incorporate so much more as I've evolved. It incorporates kink and poly and adult work and Uh, so many other pieces now that I'm doing a lot more inner work, like inner child work and parts theory and attachment style. So it's really evolved over the years as this manifestation, both to help people, but also to help me as I learn. So would you say that you were a slutty girl that was experiencing some problems and you wanted to talk about them? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that can be, you know, uh, really important to recognize how we're drawn to kind of creating the solutions that we were looking for. Like, absolutely. You know, yeah, I'm we Googling teach this, what we want to know. <laughs> and no one's got a post about it. So I'll write one. Yes. When did you first start kind of embracing that, uh, that mantle of slut or? perhaps, you know, identifying with it or exploring it? It was really a journey for me because it was a word that I grew up with being called even way before I was sexual. Mm -hmm. So just having developed early or being flirtatious, I was given this label without even understanding what sex was or having had sex. And then once I started having sex, then it feels like a label that now you're embodying. Like now you are the scarlet letter woman. You're, uh, You're the slut. You're the victim and you're whatever it is, the party girl at a fraternity, you know, and embodying that in a positive way took me shifting away from the mainstream narratives. I felt like I was like, I don't ascribe to all of the negative labels that you're putting on this. Like, yes, I'm sexually free. Yes, I'm open. I want to talk about it and be free and hook up with who I want to hook up with. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that's gross or a bad thing or attention seeking. And if it was attention seeking, who cares? Like that's mine to deal with. And I just want it to be like, screw all of that. I can be a slut and feel empowered in it and confident and still classy and on top of it and ruling the world. Yeah. I think it's so amazing the way you just put it, because obviously there's, you know, even deeper, more problematic history where people who were not controlled uh, or in control at all of their sexual agency were called Mm -hmm. a slut. But often I think that term kind of connotates like you're a slut because you're choosing to have sex and be promiscuous and do these things. And while most of the people calling you a slut probably 
<laughs> want to do those things too. We're mad that you're choosing to do them. And it's, it's very weird and paradoxical. Yeah, I love that you bring forward agency because that's a piece of my story as well is that there were so many moments where I didn't have agency over the outcome and was put into sexual situations anyway. And whether you're in it consensually or not with your own agency or not, you're getting that label put on you. Even from before you're having sex, like just because I have boobs or and walk down the street with boobs, yeah. you're getting sexualized. Oh, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we don't have a lot of control over what people call us, but we mm-hmm. do have some control over how we are going to interpret those messages and then bring ourselves forward in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that really gross reversal where someone's like, I'm trying to get with you and then you turn me down and now I'm just going to lash out and be like, you're a slut. It's like, <laughs> wait, what? How, how does that... You liked that five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you were excited about until it didn't go your way and now it's pejorative. So like, yeah. what the heck? So um, was this, this was college when you kind of were saying, you know what, I'm enjoying yeah. this and I want to be more empowered and control rather than just letting other yeah. people define this for me. And I think there was even times where I thought that I was taking control, but it was still in this really manufactured way, like based on what I saw in porn and mm-hmm. feeling like I had to perform sex a certain way and moan right. a certain way and move a certain way. But it's like that has even evolved to be like, okay, what? does being a slut and being sexual mean to me beyond performance? So it's not even about how many people are you sleeping with, but how in touch with am I with my own sexuality, with my essence? How playful and free do I want to be with the partners that I choose? Or mm-hmm. when I've gone through periods of not wanting to have sex at all, I still have like little slut vibes inside yeah. me. It's just not being expressed at that time. Like you can still be slutty and not be sexual. Yeah. That's a really, yeah. So what does that mean for you being slutty but not sexual? I think it's like an energy that I kind of move through the world with. Mm. It might be related to some of my Manic Pixie Dream Girl stuff, honestly. But it's kind of like that confidence that I walk into a room with where I feel like lit up and excited and just like I'm oozing and dripping with like an aura of mystique Mm -hmm. and playfulness and like kitten energy that even if I like I've been on a sabbatical from dating and sex and relationships, but I I still can walk into a room and feel that way about myself. And that's like the beauty of feeling like I have this little erotic energy inside me that I get to tap into when I want. Yeah, that's really amazing. I I always think back to this experience that I had working at a diner in Texas and it was near a college. And of course, you know, a lot of the male waiters, myself included, you know, are commenting on like who's hot that's walking in. And I just realized at some point where I was like, some of these guys just really have this like checkbox of like you were saying, like boobs that are like cleavage is visible, <laughs> blonde hair, this and that. Whereas I was like so much more interested in energy and I could just see yeah. the way that someone was laughing. I'm like, that person would be fun to go out with. Yes. That person who's like quote unquote hot looks like they're really not having a fun time or fun to be around. Like they're yeah. sitting at a table and they're like complaining about their food. And it's just like, okay, like, there's a different there's a different um, energy that's very palpable as you yeah. know how to kind of appreciate it. And I feel like that is the beauty of sexuality and a rich sexual connection is it's not the specific moves that you're doing or how hot you look or how hot the other person is. It's really like the playful energy. I feel like sexuality when it's great sex is this cat and mouse game where you're flirting and you're like in this liminal space together where you're kind mm-hmm. of letting go of distractions and performance and you're you're just really connected. You're connected to yourself. And it's like everything kind of fades away. It's really this transcendental state of being and just being in it. Yeah. I, um, when we were on your podcast, we talked about magic and surprise and not trying to control. And I think that comes into that dynamic so much because a random hookup is fun when you engage in that possibility. It's a little bit weirder when you're like on the hunt you, you seem good enough, come with me. And it's like very directed and forced. Whereas if you have two sluts in a room that kind of look at each other and are like, oh, are you are you down to clown? Because I'm down to clown. And then they're playing with that that game and they're not just rushing, but they're not like, no, 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 we can't because of some arbitrary rule that was written for an advice column in the 1960s. Like that's where I think that magic and serendipity and surprise comes in. 
where it feels like two people being like, wait, you, which is very different yes. than the, eh, you'll do. <laughs> Some of my best sexual relationships have been with, even if they w- didn't have a lot of experience, like fellow self-identifying sluts by energy, like fellow flirts and mm-hmm. folks living on the fringes of kink. And it's so much more playful to just like be like, ooh, we have this sandbox that we can play in. What kind of castles do we want to make versus somebody that's like, okay, this person knows a lot about sex. So now I'm going to bend them over and flip them upside down. I'm going to put their legs up and now yeah. I'm going to do it this way and that way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like so manufactured. I just want to like roll around and laugh and just figure it out, you know? Yeah. So if you've been doing this for 12 years, you started in about 2011. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Great math. (laughs) uh, So before I became a wizard, I had a weird blog and like sex column that was called F-Bomb. And I was trying to kind of find that I think similar to what you were describing of, I don't want to just give lectures about STDs. I don't want to just give lectures about consent. And I don't just want to be like, masturbation, great, yay. Especially as, you know, a male-bodied person, it's not as exciting and revolutionary if I'm like, hey, masturbation school. Everyone's like, good job, dude. Yeah, we, we, we get it. Um, and so I was trying to find like really weird out there pornography that wasn't gross, but it was kind of like silly and surreal. And I was doing lots of like, you know, performances and spoken word things and trying to have that. But I felt like the community at that time was still, you know, I love Dan Savage and Savage Love. I thought that was amazing. But there was, you know, certain topics that were just kind of in the mix. So I'm curious how you feel like your journey and maybe the culture that's talking about sluts and sex positivity has changed over this decade that you've been doing it. Yeah, I think there's been so many huge changes because when I started, there was really only like Planned Parenthood and Cosmopolitan. And then there were a few (laughs) folks like Dan Savage that have been around tried and true, but um, there's just so much more openness now. I have so much hope with Gen Z like Mm -hmm. coming and changing our ideas about... Well, they don't, but they're also (laughs) very like gender fluid and pansexual and just very like, they don't see the same barriers that generations past have. And it feels like just this really fluid expression of Mm -hmm. being and being present for who we are. And maybe some of them not having sex. I mean, I don't know. I I would have to look at some more research, but it might even just be that like maybe our culture as millennials was kind of still buying into this. Like you need to be having a lot of Mm -hmm. sex and performative and like losing your virginity was just such a big concept. Everybody's kind of just like, screw that now. I just want to have fun being me. I don't need sex to survive. I don't need like sexuality in these ways and broadening our definition of sex. Like since I've been on a sex sabbatical, I'm like having a lot of pleasure from intimate friendships where Mm -hmm. we can feel affectionate towards one another and provide that community care and just inviting pleasure in, in new ways. Yeah, I think you're you're so right on with that and recognizing that we've recognized that gender is a spectrum, that uh, sexual orientation is a spectrum, and even sexual focus is a spectrum. There's some people who are like, I definitely want to be having sex when I can, let's go. And other people, I'm really grateful that we now have accepted terms like asexual or aromantic or these different ones to recognize that some people weren't feeling that and it's good to not have to feel shame and embarrassment because you're not like a horn dog out of an 80s teen comedy. Yeah. And I think that that's a big misconception when people look at somebody like myself talking about sex and other sex educators is that we are wanting sex all the time and we're wanting like the hottest, craziest, most raunchy sex or something. And it's like, I've definitely gone through periods where my hormones are (laughs) in those highs and I've had my seasons of kink and sex parties and poly, but so much for me is about connection and it can be connection even for a night, right? But like, yeah. is that connection, does it feel meaningful and alive and does it have spark even if we know we're going to part our separate ways versus something that feels like um, we're just fulfilling a physical need? Does it have, and that, that's valid too if it's fulfilling a yeah. physical need. But to me, it's like, what is the underlying play that's coming up? Yeah, play's a really beautiful word. And I like that in the sex party community where it's like, do you want to play together? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's I, open-ended, I, right? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, the moment where I was like probably in fourth or fifth grade and I asked another kid, I'm like, oh, you want to come over and play this weekend? He's like, I don't play. 
I'll come hang out. And then it's like this whole journey where I was like, I had to just hang out. I couldn't play with anybody. And then now if it's sexy, we could be like, yeah, let's play. Let's, I've got, I've got some toys I want to show you. I know. I met somebody at a, a club recently that um, we exchanged numbers and then they were trying to sext me and they were like, I'm going to show you what it's like to be completely dominated by like a big bull. And I was like, that doesn't sound like fun to me. It yeah. sounds like um, my vagina is scared. <laughs> like yeah. I would have much rather somebody approached it and been like, hey, let's just like hang out and see where things go and like experiment, explore. Like if you're coming in with this mindset of like, I'm going to beat that pussy up. Like we can't go I anywhere from there. So much. <laughs> I, I have always despised that where like, as soon as I started hearing that in rap songs, where they're like, beat that pussy up. I'm like, I think you're doing painful. it wrong. I think you're doing it wrong. I don't think that's the, the goal. She has hid away and locked the key. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's hard because, you know, with the world of dating apps and all of this stuff where you don't get to have that 360 view of just a person's energy in person. And one person who is looking to grind out some hookups might be like, don't waste my time with small talk. I want you to just come on big, strong Dom mode. Let's go. And I think that's so bad. Like, that's so great. Like, let let them meet, you know? I think that that works perfect. Sure, but then it's frustrating <laughs> for everybody else who's like, I don't want that. And, you know, my, my soapbox is that I fucking hate these apps. And I wish that we could have an app that was actually oriented towards human connection because yeah. it would be a fucking checkbox. Like, yeah. how do you want to be messaged? Come on strong and sexual. Chat and ask me questions. Like, yeah. give me that information. I would love that if I could be at a party and just have a little floating <laughs> icon above my head and everyone's coming up and they're like, hey, I heard you like to have fun questions. Here's a fun question. I'd be like, amazing. Great. Yeah. yeah. And that, like, I'm all for people having the sexual experiences that they want, but also like the mindfulness to approach interactions, knowing that what you want isn't what other people want. And like mm -hmm. that it's all valid, but like, yeah, just be a little, like, you don't need to be super aggressive about beating it up. Like you could just be like, Hey, I'm only looking for this right now. I don't know. It's a, it's a strange line to walk, but I agree there's so much to like the energy that people bring forward. I wish that there was like an energetic imprint aura dating app. <laughs> that would be so much better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, from a data science perspective, I think like not hard, like to figure <laughs> out, like even just the dating app that's kind of figuring out your ratios or like what messages are you? I mean, there's just so many ways that we can analyze things and make this easier for humans. Yeah, AI connect. needs to figure it out so that we can have a real matchmaking service. <laughs> yeah, instead of just trying to sell people an AI chatbot that connects to a flashlight <laughs> as the solution to all of your loneliness. With, Ooh, it's going to get weird the next couple of years. <laughs> well, that's so interesting to me, like the, the robot stuff and people are like, oh, is it going to replace connection? I don't think that it's going to, but for the folks that are having trouble connecting. I think that that's a great resource for people to have. But like for folks that are happy in real human connections, it, it can never replace that. You would, know, you would know that it was a robot. And there's something special about being human that has that magical spark. Yeah, I think it's also one of those things that you know, like you were saying, as a, as a female who developed early, you were sexualized and had to respond to that. And I think with pornography being so readily available, when I was in college, there was a point where I was like, I'm going to write an essay for the sociology class about how like pornography is just a part of the human psyche that we've externalized into the internet and like blah, 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 like you shouldn't censor it. And reading all the research, I was like, oh, no, actually, like I'm not pro-censorship. But if you imagine somebody who's struggling to relate and they get used to pornography, the experience of stimulating pleasure hormones through your own self-pleasure while receiving a completely unprecedented stream of visual stimuli does not set you up for what it's going to be like to be in a complex relationship with a static human who you can't just change into a hentai or a MILF 
just by searching a different term. Yeah, and that has needs and pain and uncomfortable days. doesn't want you to beat that pussy up and all of that. So Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said for like understanding the difference between fantasy and reality, which I find even today a lot of adults are struggling with. Like I have a partner that um, we both watch some pretty crazy kinky porn, but we're Mm -hmm. aware that it is fantasy and not reality. And then we're like, ooh, I found this cool thing. Let's try this scene where it's like, you're going to pretend to like bury me underground in a dungeon and like have all these extreme things. But then it's like, okay, now I'm going to go back to cuddly baby after. (laughs) But there's other people that, you know, you meet and even in a very vanilla setting, they can't differentiate the physical sensations from who you are as a person. Yeah, or they're only looking for you to play the role of Mm. submissive slut rather than, hi, I'd like to meet you, Lorraine, human being, who is very good at playing the character of submissive slut when you want to and when we agree upon it. But I think that's where, you know, with the texting and stuff where it's like, oh, cool, like, are we only going to interact at this level or do we want to kind of open up some other rooms of ourselves and make space for different dynamics? Yeah, and for people that only want to interact on that level, I think them being really honest about it with partners so that partners aren't getting the wrong idea. I feel like that's where so much gets messed up is that they're on apps and they're like, oh, I want to connect and see where things go. It's like, just be honest that you want to (laughs) fuck. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... With so many people that are also doing that in a weird way that just bombards, you know, especially female-bodied people with, you know, hey, want to fuck, want to fuck, want to fuck, want to fuck, want to fuck. It's like, (sighs) I think that numbers game has a lot of problems with it. And um, yeah, I, I, I wish that, you know, that's where we need that AI coach that's like, hey, you've sent want to fuck 300 times with zero responses. Why don't you take this free workshop that we offer to figure out a different plan. That is a brilliant idea. Yeah. And I guess that this is why dating coaches exist. However, it should or would be awesome if it was also in an app because uh, the folks that are having issues here aren't the ones seeking out dating coaches. They're just playing the numbers game waiting for something to hit. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely doing this right. That's just going to take time. Um, (laughs) But you also do coaching, right? I do. I do coaching around sex, dating, relationships broadly, but Mm -hmm. I really specialize in helping folks to unravel some of the narratives that we've picked up in our culture around shame and stigma around sexuality that prevent us from being open to talk about our desires and connect Mm -hmm. with our partners. So when you think about like, yes, I touch on kink and poly and queer identities, but it's not just that. It's really anything that we're feeling stuck where we can't bring our full selves forward sexually, where we we feel like we need to hide parts of ourselves or keep them quiet and we want to expand them. What are the uh, populations that you primarily work with? I actually work with a very even mix of male-identified and female-identified folks and uh, folks on the spectrum in between. But I would say a lot of folks that are coming from maybe not religiously conservative backgrounds, even though that's my background, but we're just these messages have gotten ingrained in us over time. Because even if you didn't grow up religious, if you grew up in the United States or consuming this media, you're still getting a lot of those very heteronormative, monogamous, vanilla messages that when you start to have a kink, whether it's something super common and relatively mild, like a foot fetish, which is one Mm -hmm. of the most common kinks, uh, or something that is more on the extreme end of kink and, you know, being in a dungeon, which, you know, one of my things. But the shame that we carry around that and being afraid to talk about it with our partners or explore it, or even once we do, that we feel disembodied in the experience. Mm. And uh, maybe we have regrets after or nervousness. And so much of it is not just unraveling the story, but soothing our nervous systems, Mm. learning that somatic regulation to be present in the moment and advocating for ourselves. If something is feeling uncomfortable, having the words and the availability to stand up and say something and shift it. 
That's beautiful. Obviously, you know, protecting confidentiality and everything, but I always think it helps sometimes to kind of have a specific that we can kind of unravel and dig into. Um, is there any kind of, you know, archetypal or common issue that you've seen or one that's really interesting that you could share a little bit about and how you approach that with that client? Oh, that is such a great question. I've actually been working recently with a lot of male-identified folks who are struggling right now with the culture of dating in a world where they want to be really respectful and they want to be really open with the people that they date, but they're also a sexual being. And I feel like Mm -hmm. the pendulum has kind of swung in another direction where it used to be, you know, very kind of misogynistic. And then there's the backlash against that. And now you have a lot of men who are like, I am still a sexual being, but I don't want to offend anyone or hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. And I actually am starting to feel ashamed of my own sexuality. And how do I bring that forward in a really respectful way? So part of it is discernment. Like as we're on apps, how can we be our full selves in a, in a respectful way and having discernment to connect with others that are on the same page. So like we were talking about with the want to fuck, want to fuck, want to fuck. Mm-hmm. That's not very respectful. No, <laughs> but, or discerning. Or discerning. But if you find folks who have in their profile, like I'm looking for something really casual, mm-hmm. like you don't need to know my name. Let's just have fun. Yeah. That is a much more open invitation versus is the person that's like, I'm looking for something stable and connected where we can organically grow. So it's having that discernment and then being like, what is the... I love to use like an erotic archetype. So Mm -hmm. if you envision yourself as an erotic archetype, are you coming forward with like a dominant primal energy? Or are you coming forward as like the, the... be like a joker in like a court jester way where you just want to like play and have fun and bring out your little magic tricks and your toys? Or are you more like you want somebody to take the reins on you and and show you the ropes? So getting clear about who it is that you want to be sexually and then presenting that in a way that feels really authentic and leaves that room for, hey, this is who I am and I'm not pushing anything on you. I'm just showing yeah. you who I am and you get to opt in or opt out to what you want. So when I first joined Tinder uh, years ago, I, I did exactly that. And I made a profile with pics of me as a wizard. And it said, well hung psychedelic sex wizard, no hookups. Because <laughs> I thought that was funny and like paradoxical. And I had the idea that people would be like tired of just the same generic whatever and would be intrigued. But what I realized is that there's so much unintentional weirdness that uh, especially women are having to sort through on these apps that anything that gave just a whiff (laughs) of like weirdness they were like no not 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 messing with that no thank you like I've had eight regular dudes freak me out so like no well, that's one of the things that's like so many people are keeping their weird stuff in the closet and then right. like you're kind of meeting under false pretenses. In a way, I like to put it forward yeah. early on. Like kink for me is a non-negotiable, but is that going to be on my profile? Not necessarily. Maybe I save that for like a conversation because mm-hmm. I don't want somebody to look at my profile and be like, oh, this girl mentioned kink. I'm going to pin you down and take you. Like, I don't want that either. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that like kink is one of the things I need. I need somebody that's open to have something monogamish or non-monogamous. It can't be strict monogamy. So being really honest about that so that you don't fall in love for a month and then Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, by the way, I actually have like all these kinks that I didn't tell you about. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a great point. And I think it's a really important aspect of like what is respectful to both parties in terms of disclosure. You know, you don't need to put that you are a victim of sexual assault on your profile unless you really want to. You don't need to tell someone that on the first date. You know, you probably don't want to be poly and present completely monogamously. But I also think it's okay to like, you know, Mm -hmm. flirt with someone at a party and then get a chance to tell them that without having to be like, oh, so we've talked for five minutes. I feel like there's a vibe here. Just so you know, like... I think there's, you know, a difference between I'm hiding something and 
I'm waiting for the right time that feels like respectful for both of us in terms of when are we going to talk about Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And it's like a big part of not stringing somebody else along and being respectful yeah. of their time and their energy. Because to me, if I want to be finding the best match for me, I want to try to show up as my most authentic self, which we just chatted about on my yeah. podcast that who even is that? But it's like mm-hmm. at least the version that I know right now so that there aren't any surprises. And when do we bring that up? So it is this delicate dance when I'm coaching people of uh, these practical pieces, but underlying that also the confidence to even show up in the first place. Because a lot of the reason why people are hiding it is because they think that they'll never be accepted or loved for who they are. But if they get somebody to love them first, and then they divulge that they're kinky or non-monogamous or whatever, that then they've already got this person that loves them. But that's actually not the most ethical. The most ethical is to be who you are and find somebody that loves that. Yeah, just absolutely. Yeah, I think your dating profile is kind of an extension of who you are. It's marketing for who you are and what you're looking for, which is amazing to me when I see someone where it's like they took a picture with a potato of three people and then there just is a whole list of things that they don't want. And I'm like, this is a very (laughs) poor ad. I don't, I would not buy this product. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. And I I think that that gives a lot of insight into somebody's mind, right? That they are just a laundry list of no's and that they're very close-minded. And I'm like, that actually gave me all the information that I need to know. Because even if I match all of your no's and I'm exactly who you're looking for, I don't want to be with somebody that's close-minded. Ooh, polyamory. Oh, wait, no polyamory. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Got it. Um, Well, I wanted to ask you this. And, you know, I think it's hard for anyone to get a real objective view because we all are unique in our experience. We're all aging as society changes. But I feel like there's been a shift. And maybe, you know, this is just because I was a guy with a giant white beard that looked like he was very old when I was in my late 20s and 30s. But, like, (laughs) I feel like I've noticed less sexual energy at events that I used to be in places where I'm like, oh, those people seem like they're making out and probably met tonight and are like vibing with each other. And I feel like I've seen that really kind of dissipate. I was in Sweden over the summer and I was at an event that had that energy again. And I'm, you know, I don't know if this is just Sweden or what, or just that particular party. But I was like, really noticing it where I was like, I saw a couple that was making out. I saw these people that were like sexy dancing with each other. This isn't a play party. This isn't, it's just like a dance event at a brewery. But it was just like, oh my God, I've like missed even being around this. Even if no one's flirting with me, it's just like fun to see that energy. Whereas it feels like it's kind of dissipated. And I've wondered if it's because people are like, well, I'm on the app, so I'm not going to worry about it. But what what is your take on that? Uh, I feel like there used to be this air of like going to an event and having this wild inhibition. And Mm. now since we've gone through like the lockdowns of COVID and possibly even the predominance of apps, but I would say maybe like how we're viewing connection as something Mm -hmm. that is more private and at home that when we go out, we're kind of just happy to be out. We're not Mm. having this wild inhibition like we once used to. But maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm also aging. I'm 33 now. So I turned 30 over COVID. Ancient, you crone. How dare you leave your house? (laughs) But I do remember being at clubs and even the club scene, I think, has changed a lot. And the, the festival scene, it feels like a lot more people are valuing like close intimate friendships than Mm. they are seeking outside of their networks. And when we do seek outside of our networks, it feels very like kind of private and one-off in a way that it wasn't before. Yeah. I, you know, I think there's a long history of of men being a, a nuisance and harassing and all of these really negative things. And I wonder if there's a sea change where the guys that you would want to flirt with are like, I got the message. I don't want to go and like creep somebody out. So I'm pulling back. The people who did not get the message are like, hey, what a fuck. And then yes. everyone's guard is even more up because it's not like, yeah, I go to the club. There's a couple, hey, want to fuck guys and they're annoying. But then there's a cute guy who comes over and chats with me and then it's like worthwhile or whatever. You know, I know I'm being very hetero and all of this. But oh, like, I, I, I have absolutely experienced that. I feel like that's very true. It's actually created a polarity in yeah. who 
who is approaching where you can almost kind of guarantee that if somebody's approaching you, they didn't get the memo. But then I say to good guys that I coach and good guys that are my friends, I'm like, no, 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 you're the one that should be saying hello to somebody at the bar because you're a very good person. And like, there's nothing wrong with saying hi to somebody at a bar or being like, hey, what are you drinking tonight? Or, you know, have you seen this act before? That is the beauty of human connection. And it's like, let's bring the humanity back into humans connecting instead of like leading with our genitals, instead of leading with the like, oh, can I get you a drink? Like that feels very sexual to me versus like, oh, have you been to this club before? It's like really kicking tonight, isn't it? You know? Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about the way that when something gets, um, when capitalism steps into the mix. So, you know, we, we develop, at least we try to develop immunities, like, right? Like clickbait, when you're first on Facebook and clickbait was that like phenomenon in like 2014 or something of like every title is like, you won't believe this. It was working for a while. And now we see one of those titles and we're like, oh, that's junk. Like, don't click that. And I wonder to what extent that whole kind of early 2000s pickup artist phenomenon they were like, we're going to exploit all of the things that people use to socialize. And then everyone developed immunity. And now we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I've, like, I've got all my defenses up because these guys kept wanting to show me magic tricks. Yeah, I feel like we're really wise to a lot of the pickup artisty stuff now. And like the most meaningful connections I've had in recent years have been when somebody's just really honest about who yeah. they are and what they've been through and where they're at in life. Like um, I think emotional vulnerability and openness is just so hot. And yeah. a lot of my most recent relationships have started from that place of like, being really honest about who we are versus putting on a role. And I feel like people can see very clearly when you're showing up in a role now. Yeah. So I think we've identified a lot of the problems and frustrations and issues. But for any listeners that are at home and are like, I want to be a hot, nasty slut. I want (laughs) to go out and break through these barriers in an ethical, consensual way. Uh, What advice do you have? That's a great question. So I think that there's kind of two camps that people fall into. There's the camp of folks, like you said, that are like, I want to do this. And then there's a bunch of folks that are like, that sounds so fun, but like, I could never. And Mm. my question to them first would be like, well, why? Is it that you're nervous about something physically, emotionally? Mm. Is it a tie to the idea that like, we have to be pure or wait until a certain type of connection? Is it some kind of stigma that we're still holding? on to about what it means to be kinky or what it means to be sexual. Mm -hmm. So if you're falling into that second camp, first exploring that so that you can even feel like you understand your own narrative to be able to be kinky and slutty Mm -hmm. and feel really sexy. And then once you've kind of undone those narratives, stepping into what that looks like for you. I love to do visualization. In my course, Mm -hmm. Subvert Your Subconscious, I do a visualization exercise that's a guided meditation where you're getting in touch with like what your your erotic muse is, your erotic energy. And then visualizing that that person, whether it's, you know, the dominatrix or the sex kitten or the feral Mm. cat or the demure, like submissive or whatever. And then it's like, what does it feel like to walk around in that energy? Mm. Can you put on that energy the next party that you go to or when you go to the bar or the club? Can you just step into that role for the night? But first, just visualizing it in your mind. What do they say? Do they have a certain way that they talk? Like, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of talking normal now, but sometimes if I'm doing something in the sexuality industry, you know, my voice just gets so soft and buttery and slow. And that is a role that I play that feels really sexy. So can you tap into that? Hello, caller. You're on the line. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. Exactly. And can you tap into that? singles are waiting to chat with you right now. Yeah. Sometimes I even play with it like at the grocery store, like I'm getting a coffee and I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to like go up there and just like feel sexy. And I'm not like, I'm going to flirt with this person. I'm just like, thanks. That that coffee looks really good. Ooh, you guys have bagels. Yum. You know, Mm, it's it's so fun. (laughs) It's just fun. It's not fun. That bagel looks really tight. Yeah, you don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but <laughs> there is an a energy. little uncomfortable. I think that's also okay. I think that 
if we make no one uncomfortable, we live in this very sterile world. That is true too, because I think a lot of what we're pushing back against is this idea of like discomfort in the world and our role in yeah. it. And like, wh- wh- why do I feel uncomfortable about certain things? You know, if somebody came in and is joking about bagels, it, am I feeling uncomfortable because it's like silly and weird and goofy? Or am I feeling uncomfortable because I was actually unsafe? And it's like... Yeah teasing this out and being like, okay, how can we kind of let some of these defenses down to just have fun and be ourselves and be the roles that we play? Yeah, that's wonderfully said. And I think one thing that I would add is that I've seen a lot of situations where people have assumptions of what the the game that they're going to play is or what the other person wants. And they assume that it's just going to be zero to 60. Like if you invite me to a sex party, that means it's a no holds barred orgy and I'm just going to be, I have to have sex with everybody in the room. And that's not the case. Or like, oh, if you tell me that you like me, that means that you want to be in this like really controlling relationship that I'm not ready for. So I have to cut off all contact. And I invite everybody to explore those middle spaces. Mm. I think it's beautiful. You know, if, if, if you're going to hang out and some couples flirting with you and you're like, wow, that's cool, but I don't want to have sex with them. Let them know that, but suggest things that aren't that that you might be interested in. Hey, I don't think I want to have sex with you guys tonight, but I would love to come home and watch you. Mm -hmm. Like, they're probably going to be excited about that too. Yeah, it's like loosening the grip of our expectations of the situation or what we think that is expected of us. I love those examples because like the sex party, that's such a misconception. And it's like, can you just go in curious about what could unfold and what could happen? And and it opens you up to all these possibilities. And then you don't feel like you're being inauthentic in that space. You're just showing up curious and open. Yeah, exactly. Relax the sphincter of your expectations (laughs) and slide in some possibility. Yes. I I need that on like a slogan, a motto (laughs) t-shirt. Everything I say is free use. I just spews out of me. It comes from a muse, so I can't claim copyright domain over it. Uh, so please, please use that. Um, let's let's create a little magic spell. Let's kind of weave some of this together. And I think you've already probably got so much in your your little bag of tricks. What's a magic spell that somebody could do to kind of relax their sphincter of expectation and slide in mm. some possibility? I love that. I like to envision, so I love the like erotic muse, but that kind of does have an expectation of how you're going into something. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a healthy practice, but this relaxing, can you envision yourself like, uh, I don't know, a sexy rave Petri dish <laughs> where like maybe a Petri dish isn't the right word, yeah. but some, like some kind of like empty float or like something floating or something. And then it's like letting the glitter just fall on it and like making whatever pattern it's going to make like snowflakes, but you don't have to, you don't have to have it turn out any certain way. Like how do we just make ourselves kind of like I an empty this. open vessel, but all it. that we get to play with is glitter. Yeah, I got it. I got it. So Yay. what I think we should have people do is next time you're going out or even firing up an app or, you know, engaging and trying to cultivate this energy, take a moment and first do what Lorraine said and think about that muse, you know, is it uh, a powerful masculine uh, figure? Is it a sexy uh, non-binary fluid energy that can go any direction? Is it sultry kitten? You know, what is that muse that you're cultivating And then have that muse clean out your astral temple and just take away some of those fears and just put them in a little garbage bag and put them on the curb. Those expectations where you're like, I definitely need to get laid tonight. Put those away and just open yourself up to any kind of connection because everything leads to something. And I think it's a lot better to go out, make friends who invite you to something later, introduce you to their friend. And that's where that spark happens than expecting it to be tonight at this weird loud club that I'm going to the first time and I'm never going to go to again. So just 
have that muse create that space and then you can see uh, what slides in. Yeah, it's really taking out some of like the excess uh, kind of gunk that we just carry on with us, but also kind of taking this idea that everything that comes into our field has the potential to be something beautiful and awesome. It doesn't need to be that we hook up with somebody that night. It could be somebody that we meet and then months from now, we meet a friend of a friend of a friend through them. That's like the love of our life or like the hottest sex we've ever had. And just letting those connections be without trying to impose anything on them. Yeah. I I think repetition is really so important. And I've you know, I've moved to a lot of different cities. And when I was younger, I definitely was like, I'm going out like with the expectation that I kind of want to hook up with someone, which happened very rarely. And if it did, it was probably because somebody was like, ah, I'm going through some weird thing. I'm just going to hook up <laughs> with that guy. And then it was like, not that satisfying, kind of weird. It was much better when I was like, hey, this was a really fun dance night at this place. I should come back again. Hey, I chatted with that person in line. I didn't follow them back to their table. I didn't try and like, close something or have some weird strategy. I was just open and friendly. And then I ran into them another time because, hey, guess what? They like coming here. They come here often. Then I like, you know, remembered their name. We talked more. The next time they're like, oh, hey, it's you. Come sit with us. And it built organically, which I think is much better. And you get to see if there's a red flag as opposed to just like, who's going to go home with me tonight? Which is a weird energy. Yeah. And what you're speaking to is really that dropping those expectations and that Mm -hmm. pressure also allowed you to be more authentic and openly yourself. Totally. Yeah. And to just, I I realized just exuding friendliness. So it's not like, hey, what's going on? I want this to go somewhere, but just like, hey, what's going on? Oh, you didn't want to talk to me. Okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll just be friendly. Because you're still you. You're still you at your core. I'm in the bathroom line. Man, this band's awesome tonight. Yeah, they're great. Do you know them? Oh, cool. This person wants to talk. And yeah, I think that's a a good energy to cultivate. I think that's a beautiful lesson too, because not everyone's going to resonate with our energy and we need to learn to be fine with that, that we can't take that as a personal affront that if somebody didn't want to talk to us at the bar, that the person at the bathroom wouldn't or like whatever it is that like being open that not everybody's going to be the right fit and that's totally fine. You are still worthy and valuable because of who you are regardless. Yeah. But I will say that I think everyone will resonate with our energy. And if you enjoyed this conversation, uh, you can check out Lorraine's amazing podcast to hear us talking for another whole conversation about magic (laughs) and archetypes and healing and so much more. Yes, it was such a beautiful conversation. You can go check that out at The Pleasure Provocateur on all platforms. And yeah, you can also find me at Larejo and Slutty Girl Probs. Yep, and there'll be a kinky link in the description of this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you, Larej. It was so much fun. For more of Larej's magic, visit larejo.com. That's L-O-R-R-A-E-J-O.com and sluttygirlproblems.com. And for more of the slightly sexual but infinitely esoteric magic of this podcast is a ritual, check out patreon.com slash thispodcastisaritual, where I am entering my give-no-fucks era and putting out way more content this year. There's going to be an ongoing Wizard Speaks series of solo casts where I'm just going to be talking about all of the fun thoughts running through my mind, as well as recommending books and media in an ongoing newsletter, as well as putting out Devin the Gnome dance mixes and so much more. So check out patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual to make this magic possible and find more pleasure in your own empowering experience of going beyond the veil and to find the wizard's perspective that awaits you. I'm your wizard, Devin Person. I believe in you. Your magic is not only real, it's sexy as hell.